Hello and welcome back to season three of Oh My God. I'm your host, Bo Bradley. My pronouns are they, them, and he, him. For those of you who are joining us for the first time today, Oh My God is a unique insight into queer culture, history, and current events centered around the perspective of a non-binary trans man. Through the sharing of fact-based information and firsthand vulnerable lived experiences, BMG aims to build community, amplify the voices of others, and ultimately bridge the gap between the cisgender heterosexual and LGBTQIA plus communities. Before we get down to it, I want to recap the last episode for you. Last time on episode 39 of Oh My God, a new kind of feeling for social media, we sat down with Aiden Dowling to talk about all kinds of things, including how Aiden took his need for transition documenting and turned that into a tangible platform for folks to connect and do the same. We chatted about how Trace offers a customizable dashboard that tracks important elements of someone's transition, such as photos, voice, anniversaries, medication reminders, and more. It's a network of fellow trans and non-binary folks and allies that can provide support and share experiences in a safe place, unlike current social media platforms where trans and non-binary folks experience hate speech, harassment, and harmful anti-LGBTQ advertising. And Trace also offers an opportunity for allies to grow their allyship through thoughtful connection and support for their trans and non-binary loved ones. A Trevor Project study showed that a support of just one affirming adult in the life of a trans or non-binary person reduces suicide attempts by 40%. We talked about the nonprofit Aiden co-founded called Point of Pride, which supports trans and non-binary folks through their transitions with resources such as surgery grants, binders, tucking underwear, and more. It's a great resource. You should surely check it out. If you can find Trace at www.thetrace.app or on social media at thetrace.app. You can find Point of Pride at www.pointofpride.org and on social media at pointofpride.org. You can also find Aiden on social media at Alliance Fear. Let me take this moment to ask you to subscribe rate us on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on social media at Oh My God Pod on YouTube. This podcast is all about education, community, and visibility. So we need your help to continue to share this platform with your friends, peers, family, and allies, and anyone else you think that could benefit from the discussions we're having. So that brings us back around to today. What are we going to talk about? We're going to jump back into the queer alphabet, moving along the LGBTQIA plus acronym to Q is for queer. We're going to chat a little bit about health and wellness, and I'm going to have you do a little exercise on your own. Take five, 10, 20 minutes, whatever feels right to you, and work through some ideas about how to help you get through feelings of being overwhelmed. So moving along to the queer alphabet. This portion of the podcast is a spin-off of both social media education campaign from 2020 entitled The Same. This series breaks down LGBTQIA plus terms and concepts in a way that all people can listen and understand. So, so far on season three, we've talked about how L is for lesbian, G is for gay, B is for bisexual, T is for transgender, and today we are going to talk about how Q is for queer. And I do have a caveat a little bit later, but the Q and the QIA acronym is for queer and questioning. Today, we're going to cover mainly queer, but we are going to touch on questioning at the end. So this term is a little different from the other ones we've covered so far in that the term itself means different things to different people. 
the most understood version of this term in current times is that it's an umbrella term for the LGBTQIA plus community. And the reason behind that is that the original catch-all for the community as far as language seemed to be the term gay, as we learned a few episodes ago. And gay is a sexual orientation that only captures one facet of the diverse and wide-ranging community. So some people still use the term interchangeably, but in a bit, we're going to discuss why, why they aren't the same. So the original meaning of the term queer comes from the idea of something being odd or outside of social norms. And this dates back to the 16th century. And this dates back to the 16th century. In 1984, the term queer was used in relation to identity for markedly one of the first times in the infamous trial of Oscar Wilde. There was a letter in evidence from the Marquis of Queensbury calling Wilde and other homosexual men in that era snobbish queers. It's believed that around the time of the trial and this word usage being used in media and as a descriptor in this time, uh, really is when it started to become a slur for others. And it, it was ignited by that media surrounding the trial. And so pointing that out at this era in history, the term queer was used as a descriptor by other people. It was hardly ever claimed by an individual to be something they saw for themselves. So then during the 1960s and 70s, the community was actively rejecting labels for community-wide um, terminology such as gay, queer, and even the term homosexual. And it didn't reemerge again until the 1990s. And at that time, it was from usage both by activists and academic scholars. And some people appreciated it and some felt it was harmful. And this new era, however, was about reclaiming and using the word for yourself and a way to include all of us, regardless of how and where you fall within that spectrum and acronym. So examples of these change makers include the founding members of Queer Nation, which was formerly known as ACT UP. It's an HIV AIDS advocacy organization founded in New York and also the producers and consumers of queer theory and the subsequent journals and publications. So in the 1990s, reasons against the term included that queer theory in general rejects humanism by consolidating many varying ideas into one term while conversely arguments in favor stated that this approach to queer didn't isolate or leave individual identities behind, but it was a way to band together in power and strength and a way to benefit all. And in 1999, the first time it was really seen positively in media was the British TV series, Queer as Folk, which aired on mainstream television, followed by the 2003 Queer Eye, which now is in its second running with a whole new cast, the Fab Five, and is watchable on one of the most internationally available streaming platforms, Netflix. So yeah, returning to the original question, how, how did gay and queer differ? And we discussed how gay equates to a sexual orientation and not necessarily to those who identify as gender diverse or even lesbians and multiple other sexualities, but the term queer more distinctively includes those whose sexual orientation and or gender identity are what makes them a part of this community. And that leaves room for multiple identities to exist underneath this umbrella term and also acknowledges that it's its own label within itself, hence its occlusion in the LGBTQIA plus acronym with the Q. 
So now that we've chatted a little bit about the history of the word, I'd like to reintroduce the thought that what these terms boil down to is really an identity. It's it's a way for someone to look at a term or label or idea and say, yeah, that feels like me. That is how I am. And this resonates. And that's an unspeakable feeling for someone who has always felt like they were different, but never had the terminology or the language to express how they felt or what that difference was. And for those that are listening that are allies or family members or someone who hasn't gone through one of these changes or epiphanies in yourself, it's it's wild. It's if you I'm trying to think of a way to express it to someone who hasn't experienced that. And the only thing that's coming to mind is the same thing of when you hear people misgender your pets and how you're like, nope, that doesn't fit. And you change it. It's just very similar. And again, that's boiling down to one facet. But so I I also want to continue to highlight that while I share a lot of information on this podcast and a lot of insight that beyond the facts themselves, I can only speak for my own research and personal experiences and feelings. And this is one of the reasons that I insist on bringing in guests regularly to share their insights and thoughts and what has impacted their own lives and their decisions. And so today, instead of speaking with someone about this, I'm going to be sharing from a them article entitled nine LGBTQ plus people explain how they love, hate, and understand the word queer. Because how better to explain such a nuanced term and conglomerate of perspectives and identities than with many, many perspectives. So Alexander Sheaves, the writer of the article shares, I first came to know the word queer when I was 12. As I sashayed around the car to help my mother unload groceries, I said some sassy comment, some quip. She lifted her head, looked at me and said, don't act queer. I can still feel the sting of her words. How remarkable that just a few years later, a generation of people would come to use a word once associated with so much hate and violence to arm ourselves. Today, the word queer is a way for us to create space for those who have been othered by the LGBTQ plus rights movement, by social norms and customs, and by outdated notions of gender. Depending on whom you ask, there are a million conflicting meanings for the word. Many still see it as degrading slurs. Many others embrace it with pride. Queer is not the first word of its kind to be reclaimed, but unlike others, queer seems poised to represent all of us. It's a word charged with as many meanings, emotions, and historical perspectives as there are shades of LGBTQ plus identity. To come closer to understanding it, we sought nine perspectives from those who use it on what queer means to them. So the first person to share in this article, her name is Ty Farnsworth, and she's a writer and she shares, growing up, I identified as bisexual. While I'm still comfortable with that term, it doesn't encapsulate the nuance of my sexuality. Queer feels better for me because what I truly am is bisexual and homoromantic. Here's what that means. While I find cisgender men attractive, I am not authentically me when I date them. For me, bisexual means being sexually attracted to all genders and gender expressions. But homoromantic means I only have romantic feelings in queer relationships. Because this is a little complex, I just say queer. The next person who shares is Stephen Z. Patton, 
and he is a community activist and they are also a public speaker. And she shares identities are personal, but they are also how we advertise ourselves. So they are often very circumstantial too. For example, I'm queer, trans, non-binary and Mexican. And this is how I'd express myself to a partner. But when talking to someone with whom I have a rocky relationship, I'll simply be a gay male. I'm 33. When I was a kid, queer was pejorative. The neighborhood kids played a game called Smear the Queer. You'd toss a football back and forth and whoever caught it was the queer for everyone to tackle. So yes, queer bashing was literally childhood ritual. In middle school, kids followed me home, calling me queer, fag, and more. As an adult, I've been harassed with these same slurs. So I understand my generations before me balk at the word. That said, I know how empowering it feels to reclaim words that have been used to harm us. And I appreciate queer specifically because it has always carried a sense of undefined abstractedness. Even as a slur, the word described for those who exist outside of what society mandates. So it's fitting that the term now defies all restrictions of love and self that the world has placed on us. The next person who shares is Christy Zoshak, a queer witch. And she says, I'm a 40 year old woman who identifies as queer. In middle school, I knew I was attracted to guys and girls. I dated a few women before marrying a man. The relationship was abusive, so I left and started dating a gender nonconforming human. At this stage in my life, given the experiences I've had, queer feels more inclusive to me. I know different people have different perspectives, but for me, it represents an inclusive umbrella term that speaks to me in particular. Daniel Reynolds, a social media editor at The Advocate, shares, as a synonym for not straight, queer is a great umbrella word for a wide variety of people across the spectrum of sexual orientations and gender identities. I love the inclusivity of the term, but for myself, I prefer gay for its specificity. Gay clearly communicates that I am a man who is interested in other men. Moreover, my preference for gay speaks to my age. I'm 33 and queer wasn't widely used when I was coming out. I think you'll find an inverse correlation between age and comfort with the queer label. Previous generations have a strong aversion to the term. As the advocate's social media editor, I routinely observe a backlash to queer when it's used in a headline, for example, from older gay men who only know the word as a slur. This is part of the term's history. It was and still is a word used to hurt us that has been reclaimed. Reclamation is powerful, but I also understand how those who lived through some of the darkest days of legal and societal discrimination are not comfortable using the slur that was sometimes alongside, excuse me, that was sometimes used alongside physical violence in a celebratory way. Its usage, even in LGBTQ spaces, is triggering to some people. Vante Abrams, a visual merchandising artist, shares that for them, Growing up queer was not a term I heard weaponized, at least not as much as faggot. So I recognize that I lack a certain emotional response associated with its use. For me, queerness encompasses my sexual identity as someone uncomfortable with binary presentation. It also encompasses my rebuke of cisgender and heteronormative privilege and the intersection of these privileges with white privilege. LGBT plus labels tend to presume a binary origination and their usage coincides with a social movement that seeks assimilation and erases the existence of non-binary identities. Using queer as a catch-all umbrella term, whether intentionally or not, 
silences that important fringe voice. My queerness encompasses that voice, my voice as a Black male assigned, non-binary individual who harshly critiques the status quo. I embrace non-binary because I am naturally androgynous. Puberty gave me a physical and emotional blend of masculine and feminine traits. I've learned over time that navigating societal binary presentation is always going to be a unique challenge for me. Queer helps me face that challenge. So, wow, what a wealth of perspective and feelings. And, and thank you for them to putting that together. And I just want to share, that was just an excerpt from this article. There's more stories and more feedback in there. So that link is in the information for this episode. And I highly encourage you to check it out and read the rest of it. Before we move on, another important thing to know about the Q in this acronym, like I briefly mentioned earlier, is that it also stands for questioning. And this often gets left behind but I feel strongly about this one for a plethora of reasons, but mainly because all of us, regardless of how we express ourselves or identify, have questioned who we are at one point or another. And it's it's a natural part of human development and growing into yourself and learning what you do and don't like. And it's okay. Leaving questioning in the acronym allows visibility that, yeah, it's okay to not know or you don't have to label or prove yourself for anyone, and you only have to do that for yourself. And also that if you are questioning, you belong in this community too. Your feelings and experiences are valid. All right, so you can probably tell we could talk about this for hours, and there is so much to say about each and every one of the identities we cover in this segment, but naturally we can't encompass an identity in total in 25 to 45 minute snippets. So Let's move on to another very important topic. The next thing we're going to talk about today falls into mental health and wellness. This segment of the podcast sets aside regular time for something the LGBTQIA plus community doesn't do enough of, self-care. This segment includes introspective topics, vulnerable conversations, exercises, and self-assessments. And this week, we're going to be focusing on what to do when you feel overwhelmed and some tips and things to keep in mind for when you're in that mindset. So we all feel overwhelmed from time to time, whether that's in the moment, in a job, in a day, for a month, a year, sometimes what feels like a lifetime. One important thing to note is like with identity, our mental health is so unique to ourselves that not everything will work for you. And what does work for you might not work for someone else. What are some symptoms of feeling overwhelmed? feeling forgetful, getting confused easily, trouble with focusing, feeling like your thoughts are racing, like you have really low energy and a reduced ability to solve problems. The first thing is to assess your boundaries. Now, I know that is way more complicated and in-depth than just a five-minute thought exercise, but seriously, I want you to, to think about the cause of the overwhelm in your life or the thing that feels the most overwhelming and think about where your hard lines are with that thing. For example, if you if the overwhelming thing in your life is work and you're working too much and too many hours and maybe what you really need to do is limit your work hours or build in a schedule or time management within that time frame and giving away tasks or delegating or figuring out just kind of what does and doesn't work for you and what sucks your ability to focus versus what energizes you and maybe talk to a coworker or a boss or supervisor, whoever it relates to and figure out how you can make these, these overwhelming things work better for you. 
Another thing is really bringing it down to relaxation and breathing. I noticed that for myself, when I am super stressed or overwhelmed, I also tense up and all of my muscles, really everything gets tight and achy and leads to headaches and bad posture and just generally feeling like crap. And things that can help with this include meditation, stretching, deep breathing techniques, spending some time outside, doing something creative, taking a break, listening to music, so many things. So all of this being said, I'm going to leave you with some homework, like we talked about earlier, LOL. And yeah, I just said LOL. Okay. Anyways, so pull out your notes app or grab a pen, a pencil, pause this right now and go and make sure you have that and are prepared to jot this down before we move forward. Okay, go do it. Okay, I'm assuming you're back and you're ready to jot your little overwhelm buster activity. So step one, on your piece of paper or in your notes app, whatever media you are doing this via, write down whatever is bothering you, whatever your tasks are, whatever that's going on that keeps circling in your mind, whatever that is making you feel overwhelmed. And it's okay if this list is one thing. It's okay if it's 10 things, 40 things, whatever is overwhelming you gets written down. You're just going to kind of word vomit all of the things that you think of when you think of how you're feeling. When you're done with that, the next step is from that list, separate it into things that you can control and things you can't control. And for this exercise, we're going to focus on what you can control. Anything that has a timeline, anything that needs to be accomplished, put it on the top of that list. Organize your priorities within that list and work down it one by one at a time, top to bottom. Because if you can just look at it and just go one by one and just focus on that one thing at a time, it's going to help pull away some of the anxiety and stress associated with all of the other things on your list. Okay, so we're going to make another list now. The next step is you're going to jot down all of the things that you are that you find relaxing, recharging, refreshing. We mentioned some earlier, like stretching, listening to music, going for a run, eating something you like, whatever it is, add that to your list. And again, as many things as you'd like. And then when you have your list, whenever you need to take a break or step away or feel overwhelmed, look over that list. Pick something that fits in your circumstances and situation in that moment. And now you have a go-to list of options for whenever you feel like you don't have the brain capacity to come up with something. This works for foods you like to eat. This works for if you need something to do for dates or with your partner at the end of the day, but you don't have the energy to think of something to do and do it. So having these preset lists of ideas that you can add to whenever you think of something that you can then go back to and, and check off as you are able. And then the last thing I want you to do is I want you to jot down a couple of names. And these are going to be names of people who you feel comfortable going to about anything. This could be a partner, a parent, a friend, a sibling, a best friend, someone who you can talk to about your feelings and receive support. And if you're feeling overwhelmed and need help or need to talk to someone, reach out to these people. This is your community. These are the folks that care about you and love you. And yeah, that's it. Those four, four steps, three lists and breaking one list down by priority. And I trust you're going to do that and work on it. And I hope it helps like it helps me. So that brings us to today's affirmation. 
As you know, we will be ending every show with an affirmation because we often as queer folks and humans in general do not give ourselves the chance to feel our full potential, feel empowered and feel like we are quite enough. Well, you are, and I'm here to remind you. And today's BMG affirmation is going to tie into what we just talked about naturally. So repeat after me. I don't need to finish everything today. I am still valid if I take my time. My health and well being is a priority. All right, one more time. I don't need to finish everything today. I am still valid if I take my time. My health and well-being is a priority. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode of Oh My God. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for spending a tiny portion of your day learning about the queer community, and especially in this time and place in history. And before I let you go, I am going to again mention... I think we did this a few episodes ago and I just, I wanted to make sure I I bring this up more that where we are in trans and queer rights and where all this information and history is coming from is due to the work and sweat and blood and arrests and deaths of black and brown and indigenous trans and queer folks and mostly women and non-binary folks that came before us and laid the foundation for all of this work. And that work obviously is not done. So just bringing awareness to that fact. And while you're on that note, please also don't forget to rate, subscribe, and follow along for more of your favorite queer and trans content from our perspective. We're on most social platforms at Pod. Check us out at www.bowmygod.com. And don't forget to work on your Overwhelm Buster exercise because you've got this. I believe in you and have a great rest of your week. Thanks. Love y'all. Catch you next time. Bye.